0: What's up, everybody? We back. R two C two, another week. What's good, bro?
1: We're rolling now, man. We're rolling. We're, yeah, we're I mean, rolling. you
0: know, it's, it's after Labor Day, so it's like back to normal life. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah.
1: Exactly. I think like I probably mentally should have just realized like I won't be hearing from Carson Charles in the month of August. You know? Man, and like I, I, I think
0: I, I think it's gonna be <laughs> tough in August. Going
1: forward.
0: <laughs> That's just like my me time. You know what yeah, I'm saying?
1: Yeah. And now we know. And now we know. But hey. I, I, hey, I didn't even know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like right. you know, it's just new for me. Summertime. You know what I'm you, saying? So you had you had to figure it out. It's new for me. Man, I um I we're we're rolling now. We're gonna roll right in through uh baseball playoffs and just fall sports time is so great. See, and uh yep. The Jordan Montgomery pod, in case you guys haven't uh, listened to that one yet, it has um, made plenty of headlines. Um, Uh, Everything
0: (laughs) we do makes headlines, bro. I mean, I guess we should have known that. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, as soon as you basically... I honestly didn't
0: even read anything, though. Like, I didn't, you know, I don't read Mm -hmm. any of that stuff, so...
1: Well, today, the New York Post had an article with Matt Blake basically, like, kind of saying, like, kind of like defending the pitch selection stuff with the Yankees and saying like, well, I mean, it is what with, it is. It, it makes yeah. no
0: sense to go back and forth. Like it, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. He's on the yeah. Cardinals. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it don't make any difference.
1: It is like, funny though, that like he finally had a rough start last night. I was like, no, Yeah, I've seen that. No, I've seen that. Not the that. first one after the, the, no, no, no. The he, he,
0: after the pot, he pitched good. Oh, that's he true. He had today, one more. So yes. the second one. Yes. Um, yes.
1: Yes. Yes. But, he did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think that, uh normally you get an R2C2 bump. So I usually people perform well. So I think yeah. like, we, don't, and, we don't get saddled with the loss you, last night. You know
0: what's crazy is the uh, the clubhouse too. Like I did that clubhouse game the other day and I said yeah. Otani was the MVP.
1: Oh, but, that got a lot of run.
0: Exactly. But when Casey asked me that, in yeah. the moment you can see me holding the bat and I'm like, shit, I could just say Judge is the MVP. But I yeah. was like, nah, fuck that. And, and you know what? Like for me, I know Judgey was watching that shit in the moment. Like I know yeah. he was watching yes and, and i'm hoping that like if i know him like i know him i know it pissed them off you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah and i know chad is like before the game on his ipad hopefully <laughs> using that audio of me saying oh tiny's mvp we need to probably be talking shit about the rest of the team so they can get going
1: <laughs> uh, it's funny you know what i was literally just you the, your comment was being played i was listening to uh the Michael K show. And uh, they actually, you and I were both featured during the segment because they were talking about, would John Sterling take these radio games in Toronto back from me? If judge is approaching the record, Um, which I don't think he's going to, but I would totally be fine with if he did, because he's earned the right to call that. Um, But then they were also saying, do you hear what CC said about his guy judge? And they played the clip and they were like, man, I give CC credit for being willing to say that about his, his, his boy on TV. I I,
0: I knew what I was saying. And yeah. I knew he was watching. You know what I'm saying?
1: So what happens now the next time you talk to him? Is it weird at all? or like No.
0: No? But Judge?
1: Yeah. Why would it like, be weird? Well, because they're going to be like, dude, come on, man. Why are you campaigning oh, for the other guy?
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he's yeah, going to yeah. say, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's going to say something. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Like, go win the MVP. Yeah. We thought he was the MVP in 2017. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like, you know, it's, he's, he needs to go win it because – if there's a debate, they're going to give it to Otani. And
1: you know, you know what's what funny? I, he's getting close to just making it a no contest, I That's think. That's what the I'm way, saying. He yeah, needs to just yeah. go win it instead yes. of making
0: it a debate. Like, is, yeah. it, is, it, is it him or is it not? Like, yeah. no, just go win the fucking MVP then.
1: Right. Like, hit two game-tying home runs in the same game at Fenway, one to right center, one to <laughs> left. <laughs> no. For your 56th and 57th home <laughs> runs in a game it, you win. I want to see
0: him hit 65, 62. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I want to see him break the record.
1: What's amazing, dude, is not only is he doing that, but he's also hitting 310. Like, yeah, and you know, playing center field. And playing center field. And I think that's another underrated element of, like, if you're looking for those things outside of just the, the incredible offensive numbers that helps him, you know, is, like, he's a plus defender. And he's had to take on an even bigger position to help keep his team afloat. Where would this Yankee team be if Aaron Judge couldn't play center field?
0: How many games they, are they up right now? Like, is it, do they have I mean six plus? Okay.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. I think like he single-handedly is staving off a collapse, right? He's single-handedly winning on the division. And then you also, the, the angels are 21 games under 500. You know, I mean, it's just like, when you think about that, that yeah, is going nah, to help don't, swing that it.
0: Don't, that don't matter for, to me. It's still what you, you see what this guy is doing out on the field. It's never been done, bro. Like, but, it's, which, it's, but you it's know what?
1: What judge is doing has it's not been done, done since a, Babe Ruth. It yeah. hasn't
0: been done in the Yankee uniform. No. What,
1: well, what I, I think the most amazing stat I heard was after his two home runs in Boston, uh, Tuesday night, it was the first time since 1928 that a calendar day started with somebody having a home run lead of 20 or more, or more. home runs. Yeah. Babe Ruth is the last person to do what Aaron Judge is doing because the thing is, it's not just the total; it's the total relative to his peers, right? Like when when Bonds and Sosa and Maguire and everybody was and Griffin, every
0: 65, yeah,
1: yeah, everybody was doing it, right? Now Greg, everybody's hitting. Greg like, Vaughn think, was I hitting think 50 Schwab's plus. Got like
0: 37. Yes, you know what I'm
1: saying that's what's so crazy about what Judge is doing, and that's why I think even though Otani's skill set is historic. I think Judge's season is just as historic. And then you put it in the context of a value to a team that's winning. And that's why, for me, it's no contest. I know how you feel about your guy, Otani, but I like your mentality, C, of like, make it, like, go win make, it, and make it so don't, obvious. Don't yeah. make
0: it, don't even make it a debate.
1: Yeah. Which I think he's like kind of doing over the last week or so hopefully it continues see how about we're going to talk to dave roberts really excited for this uh this pod with dodgers manager dave roberts um by the way for just to to put a bow on the previous montgomery thought if you haven't heard that podcast definitely go back and listen you know it's wherever you get your podcast you can always get r2c2 and we also have our youtube page too with full episodes so you know just type in r2c2 in the youtube search bar and you'll be able to listen see what do you think about the new rules for baseball uh starting next season. What do you think about the pitch clock? What do you think about the shift having to have two infielders on the dirt at yeah, all no, times on so either excited. side of second?
0: Yeah, no, I'm excited about the pitch clock, um, and just, you know, speeding up the dead time in the game. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's I and I don't think fans or anybody want to speed up the actual game if it's the if it's action. We just want to get to the action. You know what I'm saying? And speed up all the, the shit in between, the dead time. So I think the pitch clock is going to help with that. Um, you know, I, I think the the shift rules um, are going to be interesting. I think it's going to help a lot of people. I think it's going to put the game back to where when we were kids, the way we watched it. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people are concerned with, you know, if, you know, you can use your outfielders and put the left fielder in short right field and then you have two outfielders and it's the same thing. But for me, I just remember, like, my left fielders were – like Johnny Damon and Matt Sui, like you can put them in short right field if you want to, mm-hmm. or Raul Ibanez, but <laughs> yeah. like that shit ain't gonna help. You know what I'm saying? So like, I just feel like you know it's gonna help bring more action back to the game, and and you know left-handed hitters, but those left-handed power hitters. I mean, I wish we did this when McCann and Texas still on our team. You know what well, I'm saying?
1: Yeah, that's the interesting thing to me, see. And it was it's something the
0: guys that it that it affected the Big Poppies, the Ryan Howards.
1: But what's common for all those guys you just said? None of them are particularly like fast or like athletic. You know what I mean? I mean, they're obviously athletic, but but not in the ways that we're thinking of when we're talking about bringing athleticism back in the game. And that was something Theo brought up to us, which we got to circle back with Theo now that they've had, uh, you know, some data from the minor leagues and why they're going in this direction with the rules. Um, But he had said, you know, the one thing they were maybe like at least concerned about with the shift and it was part of the reason why he was interested in the minor league data was instead of it generating more athleticism, does it end up just helping the lumbering lefty? Like, yeah, no,
0: I, and I don't think so, you know, and I, and in the minor league, um, data has, you know, shown that is, that is helping athleticism and like, you know, diving plays in the hole and what mm-hmm. fans want to see. And, you know, guys going first to third on that ball in the hole to right field. You know what I'm saying? So, um, no, I mean, I think when we talked to Theo, we were trying to figure that out. But I think in in the process of of them going through the rules and, you know, they've changed the the ABS and all of that stuff, they're still trying to figure that out. Um, you know, whether it's the challenge system or full ABS, like they're running all these tests all the time. For the, the automatic, 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 automatic balls, balls and strikes. And strikes. Yeah. yeah, so they're running this stuff all the time and have a lot of the data for it. So, Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really good for, um, us as fans now that, I mean, for me as a fan now watching the game, I think it's going to be good to see some of these rules implemented and, and just try to get us to a, I mean, a, a, a better product that the fans can appreciate, I guess.
1: Mm. And and look, the, the pitch clock, like, I mean, it's not an apples to apples, but think about, think about watching an NFL game if there was no play clock. Think about watching a basketball game if there was, there was no, no shot clock. clock. Oh, my you know, God. Like, or even yeah.
0: like, it's just like, what I hear people saying, well, you can't tell Bill Belichick or Steve Kerr how to play defense. Well, the fuck, you can't. You, you can, there's a legal defense in basketball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So it's the same thing with baseball. You, I mean, there's rule changes all the, and I, we, I say this all the time on this fucking podcast. There's rule changes all the time in the other sports, and nobody freaks out. People freak out with baseball because they get they get so sentimental, and it's be, people feel like the fans feel, feel like baseball is theirs. They feel like they can play it. They feel like like they know somebody that got close or got drafted, and they always want to tell you how the game is supposed to be played. Like, no, the fuck you can't, bro. It's only been a, a handful of players that's ever played the big leagues, so everybody has an opinion on whether it's our rules, or our Hall of Fame, all this different stuff. And, you know, it just it kind of handcuffs the industry and, and you know, everything becomes a debate when it shouldn't be because rule changes happen all the time in the other leagues.
1: Well, I'm just glad that baseball is, you know, finally taking those steps. And I think that, you know, as much flack as Rob Manfred may take at times from Joe Public, one thing you absolutely have to give him credit for that is a huge deviation from what we've seen in this league in recent years, is the willingness to venture into change, right? The willingness to explore these things, to look at the product and say, "I know it's not perfect. How can I make it better?" And this is something I think that people, uh, you know, oftentimes mistake uh, evaluation and critique for dislike. You know, I can full heartedly love the game of baseball. And also acknowledge, like, here's some areas of improvement. It's no different than how you look at your spouse, right? Like, you know, if you're uh, like, I don't
0: know about that, bro. You better not <laughs> what the fuck you talking about. <laughs> hey, I'm not agreeing with that shit. Don't agree. Or not. Don't agree. Don't agree. Don't agree. Don't agree. I don't, know what-, babe, don't, I don't agree. know what the
1: fuck he's talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying it could be like hey, I I I don't love use that you. example. Okay. Give me something Moving else. On. Give me something else. I'm just saying, how, <laughs> how about your kids? Hey. Okay, I'll give you the kids. I, I, is The kids is okay. Kids is safer. <laughs> I, I, hey, I love you, but, like, let's see if we can work on this. Let's see if we could do, you know, like, I, 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 I love you. I love everything about you. But, like, could we, could we get the homework done before 9 p.m. on Sunday night? You know, could we work on that? You know, like, does it change the fact that I love you? With baseball, I think my first example was maybe better, but my, my <laughs> with, with baseball, dude, I think people have been afraid to say, like, you know, it, it's okay to say it needs to change. It needs to change. Yes. Yes. It yes, does. yes. It's okay
0: yes. to say, like, it needs, like, the product is watered down a little, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay to say that. And we still love the game. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's okay to say that we need teams competing. Like, we don't need teams like the eight, like, the A's need to be competitive. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, yes. teams need to try to fucking win yes. in, in, in the game. And and it's okay to say that. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to say that we, we, we need to change some things. You know what I'm saying? Drastically to attract younger fans.
1: Right. Exactly. And it doesn't mean you hate baseball all of a sudden. It just means, hey, this is a way I think I can improve it, right? We can improve it. And look, anybody who watches a game and sees what happens when relievers come into the game late... Like, clearly, there needs to be some mechanism to speed them up. Like, when I do a game play-by-play, it's amazing how much, you know, better the pace and rhythm feels before you go to the bullpen. It's like, all of a sudden, you're just like, and it's like, okay, this clock is going to help that. It's going to affect the hitters. It's going to affect the pitchers. Yeah, it's going to take some getting used to. But eventually, what it's going to do is it's just going to create more drama and more fluidity and more action. Um, More action. So, I think it's a win, see. I, I like I'm a little I'm a little worried about the shift. I just want to see how it plays out, but I trust that if they're making this de- decision it's because the minor league data is informing them that it's going to have the intended effects they wanted to. You know. So, cuz you you want to see now, okay. Let me see the athleticism of a second baseman or a shortstop ranging. Let me see the athleticism of the third baseman ranging, you know, That's like coming
0: back. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's coming yeah. back.
1: Right. And look, you can still shift within, you know, like if you think a guy has more of a chance of hitting it up the middle, you know, rather than in the hole, you could still shade up the middle, of course. But yeah, I'm, I'm I am excited about this and, and and more so my broader stroke opinion. C is what we're talking about. I'm glad that baseball is, you know, is being willing to venture into these parts.
0: Yeah, man, I just think it's good that they're just, you know, trying to be innovative and, and trying to get better. And, you know, yeah, we'll see how it works out.
1: You know what I'm saying? We will see Uh, now we get a chance to chat with a man who has had oodles of success uh, as manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers has another division title under his belt. Uh, Nine and 10 years for the organization. Uh, He has stewarded them for the last seven. We bring in a world series winner, somebody who broke the heart of Yankee fans as a player and someone who uh, we are delighted to chat with now, Dave Roberts, Dodgers manager on R two C two. See, I think we just need to start with congratulations. I, I, I maybe it gets old around there, but just a, just another division title for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Dave. Congratulations!
2: Thank you so much. Um, you know what? It's uh, it's something that. Um it's uh, like I talked to our guys about it, it's not a rite of passage, it's it's a lot of hard work, a lot of people uh working together to accomplish this goal. Um and so it's one step uh to ultimately accomplishing our ultimate goal to win a World Series championship. But like, you know, as everyone knows, is when you're in the midst of it, uh, if you can't celebrate the victories in this case winning the division, what are we doing this for? So it was good to uh, be able to celebrate you know, in the clubhouse and uh, with the fans that traveled to Arizona.
0: Man, you guys travel well, too. So I know that had to be a good celebration.
2: <laughs> hey, hey, we travel like the Sabathias. We, we run deep.
0: <laughs> the
2: Dodgers roll deep. Um, so it's like Dodger Nation. It's crazy, man. It's like whether we're, um, you know, in Philly or Arizona or obviously at home, it's like, dude, you know what? I think it is, and it's great because, I do think that at times social media can be a negative, but other times it's a positive. And I think that with social media, there's so much awareness now about players and teams, and fans are, are more a part, feel more a part of things now because they know who the players are, and so they want to be there to support. They feel like they're a part of it. So yeah, the Dodgers, uh, we run deep, man.
1: Dave, how you, how do you you as a manager sustain the ability to connect with your players, to get a message across. I mean, seven seasons, sometimes at, at, at some point you can get tuned out, right? But you guys just continue to sustain the success. What do you as a manager have to do to continue to, to keep the connection fresh with your group? You know what I
2: think is funny is I, I think I've got a PhD in mental uh, performance and psychology. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, it's like, the game itself is the best part of my day because it goes back to just competing and and playing a baseball game to win that day. But I would say the most challenging part is the conversations I have with players every single day. And I think that's probably the biggest uh, gratification I have in my job. It's the most taxing um, because it's relentless and, um, I, I think as a leader of an organization, a, a baseball team, I think the thing is I sleep well when I feel everyone's aligned and together. Um, when players are heard, whether it's a guy, the last guy on your bench who hasn't played a lot, or you know, the, the guy in the pen that feels that he's not being used properly, just to make sure I touch him and talk to him and make sure guys stay on board and knowing that they're valued that's the biggest win and i think that that's sort of our secret sauce
0: man and and that's incredible and and for me like just knowing you as a player you know a teammate and all of that i mean it comes across being easy to be able to walk in your locker room because you are easy to talk to and, and you can have those conversations and you will ask about somebody's family or their mom and their wife and that makes guys feel comfortable you know you walk into the clubhouse and you can go talk to your manager. Guys want to go to the field. You know what I'm saying? When you're a young guy and and you have that type of relationship with the leader of the organization, it makes you want to come to the field and, and it makes you feel good and want to go out and win the ball game.
2: It does. And, and I think, uh, you know, in, in our society now, um, again, there's some things that obviously we'd all debate and argue and would argue that it hasn't been for the best interest of our country and people and how you treat people. Um, but I do think the positive is that feelings emotions are being talked about more and they're real and um, players aren't robots and as talented as Mookie Betts is, or Freddie Freeman is, these are daily conversations that I got to have with these guys uh, to make them feel comfortable, to make them feel confident, to go out there and perform. And um, you know, it's not like the days where you just wrote the balls and, you know, it's my way or the highway and you're afraid to talk to the manager. And it's not the culture that I want, that I believe in. And, and especially in our game of baseball, it's as young as we've ever been. I would argue that it's the most talented uh, athletes of all time, as far as because of the technology, they're bigger, faster, stronger. And so now how you get these guys to play together collectively and feel heard. um, It's important. It's important. And I'll tell you this, a quick little anecdote, uh, a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, mentor of mine, said, um, "What you know, what you know now, got you here, but won't get you there." And and I took it as, and he meant it as such as, I was a baseball player. I was stubborn. I was thinking about myself. I was, uh, you know, if you cross me, you're dead to me. Um, I I didn't hear well. I wasn't a good listener. Um, I held grudges, like I said. But when you're a manager, you have to be able to not hold grudges because it's no longer about me. It's about the players. You have to be a good listener um, because you have to hear what the player saying. And, again, you can't hold grudges. As a player, CeCe, you had players that you didn't like, you didn't care for, and it's like you didn't need to. It's like it didn't matter. But as a manager, you need every single one of those guys. <laughs> and so it's interesting that what got me to a certain point through my career is something I had to flip on its head to become a better leader of men, which has been great. And I feel as I've grown more than uh, I've ever grown, uh, you know, my seven years managing.
1: Dave, when did you realize that? And how did you realize that? You know,
2: it's something that, you know, I sought out a lot of people outside of my industry, um, in the business world in particular, and sought counsel and mentorship. Because I think that in sports, we have teammates. CC is one of the greatest teammates of all time, but, and and, and I think CC took it to another level as far as mentorship, but in, in, in practice, we don't have the opportunity to be around a teammate all year round. It's during the season and then the off season, we eject and we go and do our things. A mentor is with you all the time. And so I just felt that I needed to continue to evolve and grow. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting is I was a leader of my ball club when I played CC was, and there's other guys that we talk about, but as far as like maturity in, in the male, and as I've studied guys, weren't, were we mature late, man? And, yeah. and women. <laughs> and so you're talking about guys that are in their twenties, trying to lead people. And they're just really not equipped and so I really didn't become the best version of myself until I was in my forties. And so this is how CEOs run things in the real world, right? Outside of my bubble of baseball. And so just kind of understanding that appreciating now when, I, when somebody doesn't do things or act the way that I think they should in a major league clubhouse, I don't take it personal anymore. And that's something that my early years of managing I can't expect a guy or guys in a clubhouse who are not fully matured and understanding life situations. They haven't had kids yet. Some are newlyweds. Some are just having kids. They are trying to navigate life, let alone perform. So um, I, I, like I said, I'm a little long winded right there, but it's just, basically it's continued growth.
1: When you talk about the, the, like the tough conversation part of it, Dave, if there, if you were thinking about this year, And and a story you could share or however you could share it. What would be a conversation that resonates with you where you're like, man, like that's, that's one that like, it's, it's just a hard part of the job. Like it's just, it's, it's hard to navigate.
2: I I think uh, I have these, unfortunately, I would say, you know, bi-monthly as far as sending a guy out. Um, And, and it's like, cause I think that what, I try to talk about is a meritocracy in the sense of performance is paramount and what matters, but there's a roster management business side of it that you have to kind of appreciate. And so I can talk in one breath and I hate talking out of both sides of my mouth where, Hey, performance matters. The best guys are going to be up here and perform and a guy is performing, but we need his roster spot. So he still has options. So we got to send them to the minors. And so, uh, it's part of the game. Um, I I don't like it, uh, talking about roles and, you know, platooning is a big thing where every player has to believe that they're the best option. That's a superpower for a player. Um, but I have to kind of look back and a wider view and say, Hey, I hear you. I think that's great, but I think that we have a different better option to help our ball club win and to keep these guys on board. So, that's always tough because you got to appreciate that person's compete. Um, I think for me is I played for 10 years. I've been traded. I've been optioned. I've been released. I got a big contract, not a CC Sabathia contract, but <laughs> <laughs> I got a contract. And so I've kind of been, I've been all over the map essentially. So I can kind of relate to guys. And I think it's just once you build a reputation, a relationship with guys, and I think it lands a little bit better.
1: That makes sense. Speaking of one of those guys, somebody who we are very familiar with here in New York, Joey Gallo coming in there, Dave, when you see, I mean, obviously, I mean, Joey, to his credit, he really opened up about just, you know, how difficult it was for him to navigate uh, his way, especially after, you know, say the first month of the season in New York this year, when you're getting, you know, a guy who clearly has been in distress you know, and you're trying to, you know, get some productivity out of him. W- what kind of approaches do you take? What kind of conversations did you have with Joey as he, as he becomes a Dodger?
2: Well, the first conversation I had with him is I brought him into my office and um, I just wanted to learn about him. I wanted to learn about his upbringing, uh, his family, living in Vegas, playing with Harper and, and, and those guys, uh, you know, just as they grew up and, and superstars' expectations. Talked a little bit about New York. Um, But more talked about um, and he kind of talked about, you know, wearing a hoodie and being ashamed, embarrassed, not want to leave his house. And for me, I was just saddened. And I think for me, it was more of encouraging him to come here. Uh, I want to learn more about him and I want him to smile. I want him to laugh. I want to be himself. I encourage him to live by the beach, which uh, he has done and uh, (laughs) he sees the ocean and seeing the sunrise and. He's just happier, and I think uh, our guys, our club, has embraced him. He's smiling more. He's been more productive, <clears throat> and honestly, is for me, is this the guy that was so talented, is so talented, but he didn't even want to play the game of baseball that, that he knows and loves, and that's saddening. So I think for us to find that in him uh, was a true joy, and the performance is just a byproduct of that. But I think for me, it's like the biggest win is to get this guy to love baseball again. And, you know, I asked him, I said, Hey, man, how tall are you? He said, I'm six foot five. And I said, I want you to walk every single day when you're in this clubhouse on the field and stand six foot five. And I want you to stick your chest out. I want you to look straight and um, not shy away from things. Cause I think that when you start getting embarrassed, ashamed, you start kind of wanting to go into a hole. And, I'm all a five nine and a half, and I'm gonna stay five nine and a half. You know, <laughs> you start to see me slunch over and not make an eye contact, then you gotta worry. So that's kind of some joke I have with him. Just hey, man, I want you to stand tall and be proud of yourself because uh, we love you.
0: No, I, and I think like him coming to you guys was was even like it's it's good for him. You know, going from New York to LA, it's still a big market, and he's still gonna play in some big games. But it's, it's it's a lot less pressure, like you said. You get out I get out in California. You can see the sun come up. Like it's a little. It's a little. I mean, you you can love baseball again. You know what I'm saying? Like the travels. You know, it's it's a little. It's tougher, but you know, it's, it, it you can get back to actually just loving the game and not worried about what the fans are going to yell at you or what somebody's going to say to you walking down the street. And I think you know, once he gets comfortable again, you're going to see him performing.
2: Yeah, I, I agree, CC, and, and it's like. It's one of those things that New York is, and you know, it's not for everybody. Um, in one sense, um, some people argue it makes you a better ball player because it holds you accountable. But again, we're all wired differently. And, and say, not saying one's better than the other, but sometimes certain environments uh, will allow for somebody to thrive and, and other people not. So I'm happy we got him. Um, I think we got a very talented ball club, and he's already been a contributor for us.
1: Dave, how about we? C and I talk about all the time how you guys have just—you're a machine. It's machine. unbelievable, year in and year out, the way you're able to sustain success. And you know, you could trade a Jordan Alvarez in a deal that yeah doesn't necessarily end up working out. And it's like, no, yeah, that's okay. And you just keep chugging. You know, I mean, like or you even guys, like
0: O'Neal, O'Neal Cruz. You guys yeah, had him. You know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, it's Dodgers, it's Dodgers stars all across the league. And then you guys still go out and win a hundred games every year.
1: Right. And it's like, you guys don't feel the pain of that. You just keep churning them out. How would you describe sort of the, the organizational philosophy or how you guys are able to just be so consistently dominant?
2: I, I think it's uh, certainly when you're talking about an organization that um, the consistency that we've shown uh, over the last decade um, is, is pretty remarkable. It is. And I think that that's a result of having a lot of great people. I think a lot of forward thinking um, you've got to be airtight with scouting player development. And obviously we have the resources that a lot of teams might not have. Um, but there's a lot of reclamation projects over the la- my tenure here that guys, whether they come up as rookies um, or we get guys off waivers or whatever, and they come and they perform. Um, so I think that, A lot of people deserve the credit, but I think that there's a certain standard that we talk about, guys, is um, raising the bar and holding ourselves to a certain standard of play and and person that comes in the organization. Um, You can be a talented player, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're the right player. And so we try to find the right people, the right players. And for us, nothing against the Yankees, the Astros, the Braves, we're basically kind of chasing our own level of success and how we play. And I think that preparing for any ball club in a particular series or a game is one thing, but it's more about internal on how we play. So when you get guys like Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner, Clayton Kershaw superstars that I'll I'll tell you, I was at Kobe Bryant's last game and he said, uh, the dream is the journey. And when you can get superstar players to understand it and know that the process, the practice, the journey is the dream and love that everyone else has to follow. And so I just had a conversation with Mookie Mookie just recently, just today. And he was talking about Miguel Vargas, one of our young top prospects who's up here in September. And he took him out last night, spent time with them. And he's going to spend time with them this winter. And that's how you continue to not only be good now, but as far as we can look out, Miguel is going to always remember this and want to pay it forward too. Yeah. Mm.
0: It sounds like in, in the, in the thinking of, of, of picking the players and the prospects and whoever you guys are scouting sounds like the old school Cleveland days where it doesn't matter how talented you are. It matters if you're going to fit in this organization and what we believe in. you know what I'm saying? And that will elevate your play.
2: Yeah, it, it, it that's exactly right. And I, and I think it, it's, it's hard. And that's where, for me, I've got to kind of check myself a lot. Um, and i we talk about it all the time amongst our players because it is a uh, you know not that it's a bad thing but there's a lot of self promotion and branding with players and individuality which i get there's compensation to be had with that um i understand it um but at the end of the day you have to you know you have a job to do and if you can get your guys together um aligned to be great baseball players i think that we have a better way to combat that because you know, if everyone's kind of playing on their own, have their own agenda, over the course of 162, it just doesn't work that way. And I think that for us, uh, we show up every day to beat you. And um, I had that—I uh, I saw that documentary, that the the Captain doc, uh, mm-hmm. recently. And you know, it talked about those old Yankee teams, and and they were going to beat you, and, and we're gonna we're gonna make you feel it. And, and so we have some semblance of that, which I'm proud of.
1: I feel like, Dave, you were just sort of subtly segueing to your stolen base in 2004.
2: Oh, my God. Get Derek on this. Uh, <laughs> call
1: him. Oh, my gosh. You know uh, what? When you go back to New York, <laughs> you've been the Dodgers manager for a long time. So, and, and you've won a World Series and you've had a ton of success. But that stolen base is so iconic, as is that championship team. When you go back to Boston and when you go back to New York, how present is that moment still for you?
2: I just got it uh, the last time we were playing the Mets. I was walking uh, down Fifth Avenue, and uh, I think construction worker or something like that I said, Are you Dave Roberts? Like, you broke my heart in 2004. Uh, the little Wayne, um But when I go back to Boston, it's like, hey, Dave Robbins, man, we love you, man. Can I buy you a drink? (laughs) Uh, Both ends of the spectrum. It's all Mm -hmm. good. Hey, Doc, you know who lives off that more
0: than anybody? is Millar. He lives off the walk more than anything. Like, that guy.
2: (laughs) Millar's got his own dang talk show now, man. (laughs) Talk about leveraging that, man. It's unbelievable. But no, it's all good. I was a a part of a great team and uh, very grateful. I was like, you know, we played, I had so many superstars and I was just a small piece and I was happy that I had a chance to contribute. It was a great team.
1: Oh, it was an amazing team and, and sparked uh, what's been a great run of success for that organization as well. Dave, I, I want to ask you, C and I were just talking about some of the rule changes for next year. What, what are your feelings about first and foremost, pitch clock implementation of that? How do you feel about it?
2: Uh, you know what? I, I think, um... To, to to know that to think that we don't as an industry need to to continue to evolve like the nfl the nba has done uh is naive so i do think that i appreciate we're doing that um the pitch clock um i don't know exactly i know it's some you know a certain time without runners on base guys are on base a little bit extended i think players will adjust and and we won't think about it i think there's certain guys that it's going to be, it's going to rub the wrong way, but again, they'll adjust. I think it'll be good as far as the tempo of the game, the pace of the game. I think the shift is a good thing uh, for, for, for baseball. It's going to promote, you know, more athletic plays defensively um, put more of a premium on defense um, because a lot of times now you got teams that are building with platoon guys that are bat first and not defense. Uh, But when now you've got to cover One half of the field with two players instead of three. I think it uh, is going to promote offense. It'll, you know, you got to kind of restructure your roster, Uh, especially that shortstop position is going to be interesting to see what guys, you know, really show out as shortstops because they're going to be challenged more so uh, than they have in quite some time. Um, Yeah, I I think the bigger bases, um, I I think I'm fine with as far as potentially uh, guarding against a potential collision promote the stolen base. You get a couple inches here, there. Um, I'm okay with that. Um, So, yeah, I'm okay with some of of those things.
0: Yeah, guys said they haven't really even noticed the bases. Like, I've talked to some of the guys out in AAA, they said they haven't even noticed it.
2: You know, it's just like, I mean, I remember when the key used to be, you know, small, and then they make it bigger. And then I remember when the first three-point line was further back. And it's just, you just change, and you evolve. and, And players are very agile. They can do that. It'll be fine.
1: Dave, if you have a huge decision to make, World Series game, let's say it's not not something in game, right? Because we know who you're going to in game, but something's on your mind about like you know just w- w- whether it's starting a certain guy or having to sit someone or whatever. Who who's the person outside of the organization you go to most for counsel in those moments? So,
2: in those moments, um, I I, I talk to as far as i talk to the hitting coaches about the hitters Mm -hmm. i talk to pitching coaches about the pitching and i talk to the front office because our front office is essentially divided into run prevention guys a couple guys on the run prevention side and a couple guys that are on the hitting side so getting their counsel on you know best runs for pitchers in the pen or how we lay out the rotation or um, you know spots for hitters and who that matches up best i take it all in i really do and then i run through a lot of different scenarios in each game so every day it's like a different day because it's a different game and i kind of run the play out on how because it could go a lot of different directions and to say when people say the game is scripted i just laugh because every game is different i never know which way the game's going to go but to know how you're going to respond when certain things go, I have that ready. So that's a process, right? Um, So I really believe in process. And, you know, I I think sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I will say my wife is the one when it doesn't work, you know, I take it hard and we lose. It doesn't work. She's like, Dave, would you do the same thing again? And I'm telling you guys, 99% of the time I would do the same thing again. And it just didn't work out. So if that's the case, You can't win them all. Every decision that doesn't work is not a bad decision. So I'm just lucky that, you know, the guys that I work with uh, understand that as well.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, that's you're 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 coming up with that process because it's impossible to account for the outlier. Right. Like and and you need to feel great about it for what's going to happen in those other 99 percent of the times. Right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I will say this is that in a part of the process, I'm talking to the hitters and the pitchers and I'm letting them know what I'm thinking. I try to give guys the under the hood of my thought process. So, Mm. you know, because I think that the more you do that, I initiate those conversations, the more they understand why we do what we do because I was out there many times in center field with a pitching change going, what the heck are we doing? (laughs) Are we even trying? But now I understand that, hey, we might be trying to lose the battle to win the war, to win the series and save a guy and understanding how that goes. Now the conversations I have with our guys, they're going, oh, shoot, okay, that makes sense. Or, hey, man, I might be hitting you six right here because I don't think CC's is going to get to the 26 hitter this time. So you're only going to take two at bats versus CeCe. Then they're going to have to make a move, and then you're going to get that righty coming off the bench. But if mm. CC wants to go 115 to get you in the six hole, then I'll take my chances. So then I start talking to guys like that. They're like, oh, I get it. Okay. That makes sense.
1: So most guys get that now, Dave, there's not, when you, when you break it down that way. They do because we have conversations all the time. I mean,
2: my bench coach, Bob Guerin is always trying to educate our players on the rules. And I, I think, and again, it's like our coaches, we're always having these conversations and I'm always like, dude, if you got a." question about usage or this or that come ask let me explain it and so like I said it's about getting the right players and I really believe that we not only have the best roster talent wise but we have the smartest players and and I'm not talking about an SAT I'm talking about baseball acumen and IQ and that speaks to even the value of watching a baseball game Mm. you know you can look at dugouts and you see guys at the end of the bench, guys that are watching. And I look around and you see other guys that are in the middle of the dugout. They're watching the pitchers. They're watching tendencies. They're watching their own hitters. I like those guys. Those are the guys you can bet on.
1: That's awesome. Dave, this has been terrific. Thank you so much for giving us this time on a game day as well. Congratulations on yet another division title. You guys are a billion games over 500. And. Uh, and <laughs> And yet we know the national league playoffs are still going to be a gauntlet to go through. So hundred percent,
2: it's going to be fun baseball. And I I just love men talking about baseball, promoting our game. It's like, you know, we've been beat up, you know, for the last five, seven years. So I think we're starting to turn it around a little bit and talk about what's great about the game and the athletes and the competition, the parody. So it's going to be a fun season, fun postseason.
0: Yeah. And, and I want to say, I want to end it with this. You've talked about Mookie and leaving an impression on young player. My first ever time walking into a double A locker room, I was 18 years old. First person ran up to me, Doc. That was and me. Ran up to him, same same ent- uh, enthusiasm. Ran, up. he's like, "Hey man, what's going on?" I was scared to death. I was ready to go home. I, I like, yep. I was crying because I had to go to Akron. He came in there and made me feel comfortable, and I never forgot that. So I love you forever for that. And and that impression lasted on me forever and always made me want to make people feel comfortable when they came in the clubhouse. So I appreciate you for that. That's
2: everything to me, man. And it's like, you know, man, we compete. uh, We do this and do that on the field. But those relationships, how you impact players, man, that's gold. So I I love you for saying that, man.
1: I appreciate Uh, you, man. That is an awesome, awesome story and a perfect way to wrap things up. Dave, thank you so much. Congratulations on the success uh, this year and, and, and every year that you've been the manager of the Dodgers and good luck in October.
2: All right, fellas. Thanks for having me on. You All got right, it.
1: That is Dave Roberts joining us on R2C2. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday, bonus episodes as well. And make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube page. Also, follow us on social. We got a lot of fun things happening. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Peace. Peace.